Amen. Can we give her uh, another nice round of applause to Pastor Jason for doing that? I was um, thinking about Memorial Day this week. And um, a part of the thing that happened to me is that, you know, I grew up in Jamaica. We didn't have Memorial Day. We don't have Memorial Day. Um, and when I was growing up, you know, I didn't know anyone who, who was in the army. I mean, no armed forces. The only, only army I knew about was the Lord's army. Because <laughs> I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Yeah. As I was singing that song over this week, you know, and then... Pastor Jason got a little offended. He was like, um, Air Force. So I was like, oh, come on now. So I was like, I'm in the Lord's Air Force. And then Pastor Chad was like, uh, Marines. I was like, oh my gosh. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm in the Lord's Marines, Navy, Coast Guard. Yes, sir. <laughs> then I thought, you know what? Just to make sure I covered everybody. I'm in the Lord's Reserves. <laughs> So that just didn't sound quite the same way. But you know what? As we, as, we, as we honor people, right? As we honor people in terms of our veterans, in terms of those who have died, we, I started to think through this idea of the Lord's army. And it, you know, even though it's kind of funny, it's a kid's song, but today we still, we want to honor those who passed away in the faith. And although most of us in here may not personally know anyone who was in the armed forces who died while in battle. Many of us know people who died in the faith, who died fighting for the Lord, serving the Lord. Amen? And so I was thinking about my own Christian heritage and looking back, um, I was thinking about my great-grandfather. His name's Alexander Cowan. And Alexander was a farmer. And what Alexander did was a part of his property was dedicated to the Lord. So he had a small piece that was set aside that he would plant on, even though he planted everywhere, this small piece, it was fenced around, and he called it the promised land. And what he would do is, anything that was planted there, anything that bore and bore fruit there, it was given as an offering in church. And it was also reserved for any missionaries that would pass through. None of the kids could touch any of the food that actually grew on the Lord's um, property, the Lord's land, the promised land. And, and my uncles would tell me that, hey, um, he, they would say, you know what, some of the things that grew there was so much bigger than the things that grew on the rest of the property. And he would say, that belongs to the Lord. <laughs> that belongs to the Lord. And then I think about my grandfather and my grandmother. So my grandfather continued the tradition of farming and he became a preacher. He was a Methodist preacher, a small rural town. And him and my grandmother, and um, they, they had 13 children. My, 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 my. They didn't have TV back then. <laughs> entertainment was real, real. Not much entertainment. So... <clears throat> So they had fun though. <laughs> they had fun. And 13 kids. And then, even though they're a small house, right? 13 kids, everybody's just sleeping off. And then as uh, this young man whose parents had abandoned him, they adopted this young man into the house. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? And so they adopted this young man. This young man is now a pastor as well as many of my uncles were involved in full-time ministry or, or are involved in full-time ministry today. And that's awesome. 
Amen. Can you give, can you give a hand to my grandparents? That was awesome. So those, those are my dad's parents. I was thinking again, I was thinking about my mom who passed away. Many of you know, uh, Pastor Sarah just mentioned it. My mom passed away. And one of the things that happened to my mom is she got saved before she passed away. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. But one of the great things that happened when, when she got saved as well is that as a part of our church, she's a young Christian, just got saved. And she helped because of her lifestyle, her past lifestyle. She was able to take our our church into this dangerous inner city community and help to start a bus ministry that would bring some of the kids and adults from the inner city community up to the church. And yeah, amen. And here it is now, how many years? Oh, we got gone maybe, I mean, she passed away maybe 20 years ago. Sarah, past Sarah? Yeah. 23 years ago? 25 years ago? Until this day, they're still doing that same bus ministry. Amen? Amen. So I'm, I'm thinking through my spiritual heritage. I'm thinking through all these memorials. And then I thought about my dad. And my dad is 72 years old. Ha! Looking hot for 72! <laughs> and in just a few weeks from now, just a few weeks from now, he's about to hold another Christian concert, a concert he does every year, and 20 to 30,000 people are going to show up in the middle of this city, and thousands are going to get saved because of his hard work and everything that he's putting in for the Lord. Man, that is incredible! And as I was thinking about him, because thinking about my great-grandfather, my grandparents, I think about my mom, I thought about my dad, and I thought, he's alive? And I know that sounds kind of weird, like, why would I say that? Because I was thinking of all these dead people, right? I was thinking spiritual heritage, you think people who have passed. But then I thought, wait a minute, he's alive. He's here. So then my mind went to, so he's, he's like a living memorial. Because, you know, a memorial usually is like a stone, a, a, a thing that you create that would remind you of something that happened in the past. But it's happening right now. I was thinking, man, living memorial. So I googled living memorial. And the first thing that popped up when I googled living memorial was this tree. And apparently, a living memorial is a real thing. That people will plant trees as living memorials to signify something that's happened, but even things that are continuing to happen. And as that tree grows, it would be this reminder that this is what took place, a living memorial. And then this scripture came to mind as I was sneaking through this living memorial. And it was from Isaiah 61 verse 3. And it talked about why Jesus came to earth. And here's what it says, that he came, watch this, to console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That a living memorial that God has himself personally planted a living memorial in us, that we could be called these trees of righteousness, that we could live out this living memorial, that people would look on us and remember Him. This is really powerful. 
Because God said, the reason why you got translated from darkness into light, the reason why you got uh, joy instead of mourning, the reason why you have all of this, all this benefit, all of this that took place at the cross, that translation from one kingdom to the next, the reason why all of that could happen is so that I could plant you as a tree of righteousness, that you could be a living memorial to every person who doesn't know me yet. And that's powerful right there. That's powerful right there. And so... Uh, I want today to talk to you about how to become a living memorial. How to become a living memorial. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 2 says this. And we're, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11 a lot today. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 2 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now we usually stop at that part of the verse and that part of the, and we just focus on what faith is. But the second part is so important. It says this, for by it, by what? By faith, by believing God, by trusting God, by seeing the unseen, by having faith to know that what is not yet actually exists. By that, the elders obtained, watch this, a good testimony. Awesome. The elders obtained a testimony by faith. In other words, verse 1 defines what faith is, but verse 2 tells us the purpose of faith. Faith is not about the car or the house you got. Faith is about the testimony that is behind the car or the house you got. Faith is not about the destination. Faith is about the journey. Faith is how did you behave on your way to getting what you were believing for. Because if we stop it at faith just being about the object of your desire, then once you have the object of your desire, you no longer need. But the just shall live by faith. Therefore, faith has got to be more than just the thing that you're getting. Faith actually is the testimony you're developing on your way through life. That when people see you and they see how you respond to the things that you're going through, they go, that person really believes God. That is how we become living memorials. Because the living memorial says, I'm going to show you something that is way beyond me. You, when you, but when you look at me, you see a reflection of what. I represent. I represent the fact that God is good. I represent the fact that God is faithful. I represent the the fact that God can be depended on. And that He's loving and He's full of grace, grace and He's kind and He's merciful. I represent, when you look at my life and hear my story, something inside you ought to say, how in the world did that happen unless God was involved? Are you with me? And some of you today are in a tough place. And you're looking at what you don't have and you're thinking because you don't have it, your faith is small. Let me tell you something. The, 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 the proof of your faith is whether you can stand in the midst of not having what you got, what you want. How are you responding to where you are right now? That's faith. That's faith. So I'm going to talk about three things. Three Ways in which we can become living memorials. The first one is this. We have to behave like we really believe. Tell the person beside you, behave like you really believe. I have found, I don't know if you've found this too, but I have found that a lot of Christians use their good beliefs to justify their bad behavior. 
I'm going to say that again. A lot of Christians use their good beliefs to justify their bad behavior. Yes, Lord, come on. They think because they have right beliefs, then it's okay for them to have wrong behavior. After all, they're going to heaven. I'm going to let that sink. Just, Just sink it in, sink it in, sink it in. That somehow, because their beliefs are right, their behavior don't matter. But here's the thing. God didn't save you to go to heaven. God did not save you to go to heaven. That wasn't the purpose of your salvation. That's a benefit of your salvation, but that's not the purpose of your salvation. And when you confuse benefit with purpose, you end up doing the wrong thing because you focus on the benefit rather than the true meaning of why you got saved. You see, Miles Monroe has a famous saying. He says that where purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. I think sometimes many of us are abusing our Christianity because we don't know the purpose of it. (laughs) If I was Pentecostal, I'd be, yay! (laughs) A lot of us are misusing our position in Christ because we don't understand the purpose of it. The purpose of you getting saved is not to go to heaven. The purpose of you getting saved... And listen, if the purpose of you getting saved was to go to heaven, as soon as you said, Amen, you would have died. And then guess what would happen? Everybody would be afraid of becoming a Christian. <laughs> I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that either. <laughs> I, ain't doing... I don't care where to go. I ain't doing that. <laughs> We don't all just wait until we're about to die. They say, Jesus, come here. Oh, there we go. It's not a purpose. The purpose of you getting saved is so you can fulfill your purpose here on earth. And a part of your purpose here on earth is to reflect the glory of God so that those around you can see you and be drawn to Him. You're called to be a living memorial. You're called to be someone who's uh, beliefs reflect their behavior, in, uh, is expressed through their behavior in such a way that people know what you believe by how you behave. I'm saying people ought to know what you believe by how you behave. Hmm. Believing isn't enough to make an impact in people's lives. James chapter 2 says it this way. He says, you believe that there is only one God and you do well. The demons believe. They tremble. He says, oh, he says, oh, oh, you, man, look what he says. He says next, he says, oh, foolish man. Oh, foolish man. He said, do you not know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? In other words, what good is your faith if you're not behaving like you believe? (laughs) Here's something that's true that all of us could agree with. The, The people we admire most are not the people who believe in God. I'm going to say it again. The people we admire most are not the people who believe in God. It's the people who behave like they believe in God. It's the people who behave like what they say they believe. 
was, I was watching this uh, movie the other day with my wife, and um, it was a movie that talked about the newspaper, the Boston Globe, and how they um, found out about the the Catholic Church and the priests, the scandal around the Catholic Church and the priests that they covered up, like when they were, you know, molesting kids. And it was very, very terrible, just horrific, hurtful. But, but the hurtful, the most hurtful thing, as the people were giving their testimonies in this movie, this makeover movie, was how they said to themselves, these were people that we thought we could trust. And so we didn't know who to go to. When it happened, l- l- listen, here's the deal. The, those Catholic priests believed right. Virgin Mary died on, Jesus died on a cross. They had all their doctrine right. They had all that stuff right, but their behavior was wrong. And though we may not be as bad as that, here's what happens. When people interact with us and we don't treat them right, we don't love them. We talk behind their back. We're hurtful to them. We do. When we do that, they walk away with that same feeling of, you know what? You may believe right, but man, I'm hurt because you behaved wrong. The people who hurt us the most are the people who believe right but behave wrong. And that's why many of us leave churches. I'm going down a wrong. Let me let me pull back. Come back here. So I was uh, after college. I went to work with this advertising firm, right? And when I went to this advertising firm, I was a junior copywriter. So the copywriters, part of the creative team, comes up with all the concepts, comes up with all those kind of things. So so all this kind of creativity stuff. And so I'm in an office with one other person, the senior copywriter. Now the senior copywriter is younger than me, but he's brilliant. I mean, brilliant, so brilliant that he knows it. So he's arrogant as well. All right. And as soon as I walked in, part of his thinking he told me later was that man I was going to convert you from Christianity to being a sinner <laughs> and so this guy would do all kinds of things in the office and stuff but man I was consistent man I wouldn't change I was just consistent consistent I let my beliefs come right through the pores in my skin I mean he knew I was a Christian and there was no doubt so after a while you know they do things like shh he's coming let's not tell that joke here <laughs> they put away that magazine. That's it. All right. Okay, because after a while, they didn't want to anymore engage me with stuff like that. Over time, here's what happened. He started to share with me stuff that happened in his past, stuff that happened in his spirit, in his soul, things that were hurtful, painful, confusing, things that happened in his life to where he got to this place of crisis. And when he got to that place of crisis, who did he call? Me. Because I was the only person whose behavior lined up with their beliefs. And so I had the privilege of leading him, my supervisor, to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together. God is good. But you don't get to do that unless... Your behavior lines up with your beliefs. Here, here the thing is, God wants you to have faith so you can win, have this testimony so you can shine, so that you can be this, this thing that people are attracted to. And if God's primary desire is so that you can have a testimony, then the enemy's primary desire is to steal that testimony. That's right. He wants you to be ineffective and powerless as a Christian. 
He doesn't want you to be no living memorial tree of righteousness, planting of the Lord. He wants to derail your purpose. And if He can shut you down or shut you up, get you quiet, if He can snuff you out so that you look like everybody else, dress like everybody else, talk like everybody else, do what everybody else is doing, then He has won because you have no testimony. You have nothing that's going to shine. You have become part of the darkness. But God chose you. God chose you. He chose you to be dangerous. He wants you to kick in the gates of hell and deliver some people for His kingdom. He selected you to be a living memorial so that they can see His love and His grace and His goodness in you. And Peter says it this way. I love how Peter says it. He says, but he chose you. Look what he chose you to do. He chose you for the high calling of priestly work. He chose you to be a holy people. He chose you to be God's instruments. Why? To do his work and to do what? Speak out for him. Speak up for him. Too many people try to fit in when they should be standing out. Amen. Amen. And man, that could be in your school, on your job, even in your house. I'm telling you something, man. God is looking for somebody to speak out. God is looking for somebody to speak out. Um, uh, the New Living Translation says it this way, but you are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. That's a living memorial right there. You can show others uh, the goodness of God for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful life. But the only way they can see that is through your behavior, not through your beliefs. They can't see what you believe until you behave like you believe it. They need some, watch this phrase now, corroborating evidence. <laughs> corroborating evidence. <laughs> I learned that from law and order. <laughs> That's probably, you know, it's one of those things. Where I, all the law I know is from law and order. Right? Amen. Amen. When people come with a legal problem, I try and think, what would live do? What would live? <laughs> So, you know, corroborated evidence. Notice, notice in Hebrews 11, when he's talking about these people, he's not just talking about, hey, you know what, they believe, they believe, they believe. He's talking about their behavior as a result of their belief. So he says, so, so by faith, what? Abel gave, and Enoch walked, and Noah built, and Abraham obeyed, and Sarah conceived, and Jacob blessed, and Jacob instruct, uh, Joseph instructed, and Moses chose. They all had a good testimony because they did something. Their behavior corroborated their faith. So let me ask you, do you have enough behavior to corroborate your faith? Is there enough evidence in the way you act for people to accuse you of being a Christian? Well... Well, 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 well. Mm -hmm. Corroborator. (laughs) Rob. (laughs) Orator. Praise the Lord. 
Number two. So how do you become this, this living memorial? First of all, you got to behave like you really believe. Number two is you have to live like you're leaving a legacy. You have to live like you're leaving a legacy. Uh, to live like you're leaving a legacy means you have to see beyond today. You can't just live for now. You have to see the end from right now. You have to have vision. You have to go beyond. Sometimes when people come to me for counseling, especially young people, because this happened to me when I was a kid in college. One day I was reading this book, right? Um, it's a book by Stephen Covey called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And so I'm reading this book and the, this one chapter call, said, uh, was called uh, Start with the End in Mind. And so he says, hey, you know what? Imagine that you're walking into a church. As you walk into church, the service is taking place. And you see people you know and everything else. And as you're sitting there, you realize, wait, this is a funeral. And so you go, oh, wow. See, so because everybody there are people that you know, then you decide to go up front and to look in the casket just like everybody else. You join the line, you go up front. And when you look in the casket, it's you. And so you're taken aback. You're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm dead. But everybody is there. Your friends are there. Your family is there. All of that. So you decide to take a seat and you're watching this funeral go on. Well, then one by one, people start going up and they start talking about you. Here's the question. What do you want them to say? What would you like them to say? Uh, Even if you're not married yet, what would you want your spouse to say? Even if you don't have kids yet, what would you want your kids to say? What would you want your co-workers to say? What would you want your, your classmates to say? What would you want your neighbors to say? What would you want people to say about you? What would you want your church family to say about you? Because here's the truth. If you know what you would want them to say, then you know what kind of life you really want to live. But so many of us, we think only about today and never about that far ahead. And so therefore, we don't have a vision for where our life is going. But if we know where we want to end up, then we'll walk the right path. That's why when you put on your GPS, you put the address that you're going to, not the address that you're at. Hello? If you keep putting in the address that you're at, you're going to go in circles. And many of us live our lives like that. We keep coming back to the same spot and we're wondering why. Because you don't have any destination. Figure out where you want to go, baby. And then the GPS will take you there. Where do you want to go? That's what living like you're leaving a legacy is all about. And if you want people to go up there and say, you know what, this person served the Lord, then start serving the Lord now. Don't wait till five days before you're in your deathbed and say, oh my gosh, I remember what I want them to say. Hey, uh, can I join a ministry? No, that's too late, too late, too late. If you want them, if you want people to say you're a person of integrity, then do that now. What do you want? If, they, if you want them to say, hey, you know what? He was faithful to his wife, then stop looking to get divorced. Sorry. Man, if, he, if you want to say, man, he's a good, she's a good parent, then spend time with your kids now. 
Don't wait till you're 25 and then talk about, boy, the time has really gone. No. Man, you want to be a living memorial? Then you have to figure out what it is that you want, that God wants of you. Way in the future and start working it right now. The memorial starts today. It doesn't start when you die. The Bible says this, uh, Proverbs 13, 22, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And oftentimes, I look at that scripture, I use this scripture at funerals a lot. Well, a lot of times we look at that scripture and we think it's all about the money. But let me tell you something, a bad man can leave money for his children's children too. So it's not just about the money. Because anybody and everybody is going to leave things for their children. The question is, what other than things, what thing will you leave for them? And it doesn't start when you die. It starts right now. What do they see in your life right now that's a legacy for them? What do other people see in your life right now that they could talk about at your funeral and be good? What do people see? Because let me tell you something. When people look on you, if they don't feel like you are behaving in a way that you believe, you saw how I tie that in. If they don't feel that way, then they have nothing good to say when you pass away. And I'm a rapper too. Look at that. But it's really important. Jesus said, love your neighbor. Love your... He said, by this men will know you're my disciples. Not by how much you pray. Not by how much you read the word. Not by how much you go to church. Not by how much you tithe. Not by... You know what he said? He said, by this they'll know you're my disciples. By how you treat them. How you love one another. Alright, I, I want to let you know this. I, I, I thought about this concept, when, I, like I said, from college. And while I was in college, I was dating this young lady named Samantha. Um, some of you may have met her before. So Samantha and I were dating, but she was in Jamaica, I was in Canada, right? And so, you know, because of, you know, my looks, I had a lot of opportunities to... <laughs> Come on now. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> but, um, but, 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing. I never did. I never, never cheated on her as my girlfriend. Never cheated on her as my wife. Never cheated on her as my girlfriend. And here's why. Because I didn't want to tell that story to my kids. What story do you want to tell to your kids? Live them. What do you want to tell? Live them. It's not just going to happen. You've got to do it. You want to tell, tell people about how you change lives? Then start. You want to tell people how you committed to God? Then start. You want to tell people how, you know, you resisted all this kind of evil and you stood up and you were like a man of God, woman of God and you wouldn't bow, then start. Then start, then start, then start. Amen? If you live your life like you're leaving a legacy someday, it will change how you live your life today. 
Amen. Amen. Point number three. I got to hurry. All right, point number three, we're going to make this real short. So the first one is behave like you really believe. Behave like you believe. Number two is live like you're leaving a legacy. Here, number three. You have to choose conviction over compromise. Conviction over compromise. I'm not going to go into the scripture, but in Hebrews uh, 11, further down, it talks about all these people who had done all these things for the Lord. And then it talks about some of them who, man, they were eaten by lions, they were sawn in two, that like all kinds of tragedy happened to them. They died at the sword, all this stuff. But here's what they said. It said they said that they would rather have gone through that than be delivered from it because they were convicted, they were convinced, they were totally sold out. To Jesus. They were totally sold out, sold out to God. And then it says this little phrase about them. Of who the world was not worthy. The world wasn't worthy of them. Because these guys lived with a conviction that it wouldn't matter what the comfort was, I was going to stand up. You know, sometimes you have to, right now in this world, you may not be dying because sword and all this kind of stuff. But some of us need to go to our bosses and say, hey, guess what? I need to spend more time at home. And I'm sorry, I can't work overtime today. Woo! Because my conviction is my family is first and I've got to do that. And so guess what? I've got to make a draw line in the sand. I've got to stand up. Some of you need to just tell people, hey man, you guys can go party a happy hour, but I'm not going. Because my conviction, it don't matter how unpopular I'm going to be because of that decision, but my conviction is greater than my comfort. My conviction is greater than my compromise. Some of us need to make some decisions where we decide, hey, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cover for you. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to fudge on the paper. I'm not going to do all of that. Why? Because my convictions. Man, we just had a, a car wreck the other day. We went to the guy mechanic we we're talking through and he said, man, something is unsafe. The car is unsafe, so you shouldn't ride it. Um, and, you know, now that the, the, the insurance company is involved, you're going to get this pink title thing and then you have to find out what it takes. Da, da, da. But... But you could go to a mechanic who could do a thing here or there (laughs) and sign off on the paper and say, your car is roadworthy and you'll be fine. Somebody said, conviction over convenience. I said, you know what? I can't do that. Some can, but I can't. Some will, but I won't. There's a, I've got to, I've got to trust. Faith is not about the car. Faith is about how did I respond when that guy said that? When he said that and I go, I'm sorry, sir, but guess what? I'm going to have to trust God through this. I know that's easier. I know that's cheaper. I know that's, but guess what? I've got to trust God through this. Conviction over compromise says, I believe God. I believe God. So when I got saved, the first thing I recognized is that people are watching me. And you remember that song? I used to always sing this song in my head. head. I always feel like somebody's watching me. I mean, I've been walking and be like, yeah, let's see. Let's see if he messes up now. Let's see if he does this now. Let's see if he does that now. You know, people are watching you, man. Look, take it from me. People are watching you. And here's what they're watching. They're watching to see if you're real. They're watching to see if you'll respond, how you'll respond when things get tough. They're watching to see, do you really trust God? People can't see God, but they can see you. 
And every time you choose uh, conviction over the compromise, people are taken aback and they go, man, they really believe. Jesus said it this way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. You may be in a dark place this morning. You may be surrounded by enemies. Things may be hard and you may be compromising left and right. But I'm here to tell you, stop, stand up and shine. Shine. Don't be enveloped by the darkness. Be the light in the darkness. Decide in your heart, this Memorial Day, I'm going to be a living memorial. People going to pass by and they're going to say, man, that person really believes. That person really is convinced. That person really is standing up. Your circumstance is not the evidence of your faith. Your response to your circumstances. It's how you respond to those circumstances that make you a living memorial. I'll close with this short story. But in one January, cold January morning in 1961, a young man, 43 years of age, stood before this huge gathering at Capitol in Washington, D.C. And he gave a powerful speech. It lasted just 14 minutes. It was just under 1,400 words. And his speech would go down as one of the shortest inaugural speeches by one of the youngest presidents in the history of the United States. But it would also go down as one of the most powerful and most often quoted. Especially because of the last 22 words President John F. Kennedy said that day. He said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Those words are so powerful. It explains why those in the military would give their lives and why we admire those who do. It explains why the men and women in uniform obtain a good testimony. But imagine with me for a moment if we all did that in our relationship with the Lord. What if we got up tomorrow morning and said, God, before I ask you what you can do for me, I want you to know I'm here to ask you, what can I do for you? What can I do for you today in my family? What can I do for you today in my school? What can I do for you today in my workplace? What can I do for you today in my neighborhood? What can I do for you how would that change our relationships how would that change our world how would that change our church God what can I do for you in our church what kind of living memorial would we be if we made that kind of commitment today I want to challenge you to believe like you to behave like you truly believe to live like you're leaving a legacy and to choose conviction over compromise make a decision this memorial day weekend to be a living memorial amen did you get something this morning let's bless the lord would you 
Bow your heads with me real quick. I want to give an opportunity for people who do not know Jesus to know Him today. Maybe you've never asked Him to come into your heart and you're here because...